What is financial discipleship? Well, stay listening to this episode because that is exactly what I'm diving into with this week's podcast guest. I had the honor and privilege of interviewing Caitlin Kano of Compass Catholic. She is a military spouse and a mom of four, an accredited financial counselor and financial fitness coach. She started volunteering for Compass Catholic in 2018 and was recently named executive director in late 2020. Join me in this episode as we dive into all things financial discipleship. Welcome to the WalletWin Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera. And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity. Here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Wallet Win Podcast. I am thrilled for you to be tuning in this week. We have a very special guest, Caitlin Cano, joining us from Compass Catholic today. And I am kind of personally super excited about this episode because it's not often that I get to meet Catholic money nerds. There's not a lot of us out there. Uh, and so the fact that I get to have this conversation, I'm thrilled. And the fact that you get to listen in is even better. So welcome to the Wallowin Podcast, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's not many of us, but I'm kind of feel bad for the listeners because once we start geeking out, who knows where we're going to end up, but it's <laughs> a fun conversation. <laughs> yes, it's going to be a fun conversation and I can't wait to dive in. Um, just for those who maybe haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in the past, could you fill the listeners in on kind of who you are and how you got involved with Compass Catholic and what you do? I love it. So yeah, I am a military spouse and that's kind of how I fell into the world of financial wellness. Um, when I had a little baby and I was expecting number two, uh, I just had really good babies. I had the babies that would sleep and you know, I was just bored and wanted to do something and wanted to use my degree. So my husband said, there's this organization on base that um, they give financial counseling and interest-free loans and grants to service members um, but they're looking for volunteers. So why don't you go and, you know, they pay for childcare, see if you can get out of the house a little bit. So cool. great. I'll go ahead and do that. And um, I volunteered with that organization for several years and it was such a blessing. Um, I am not someone who ever had to deal with tremendous debt up to that point, but I would mm -hmm. see these young service members and they're fit and they're strong and they are on the top of their game and they would be shaking with financial stress. Um, mm. Some would be in tears. It would be something that would be hurting their marriages, um, hurting their readiness. Um, how do you focus on your job when you're worried about not being able to pay rent, right? right. So this, I mean, it shook me to my core and um, eventually got into getting certifications and really getting trained in behavioral finance um, and then worked on some government contracts, got onto leadership with some government contracts, focusing on veterans. Um, and at the end of one contract that was coming to an end as contracts do, um, I was realizing that you can only go so far in the conversation about money without hitting on faith. You can only go mm -hmm. so far because our yeah. money is how we live our values. It's, right. um, you know, it, it's something that we need to like bring up in these conversations. And I couldn't because again, being on a government contract, it wasn't allowed. Um, so when that contract came to an end, I said, there needs to be another organization that deals with um, our Catholic faith and money and bringing these things together. 
So as one does, I Googled it and found Compass Catholic um, and met with John and Evelyn Bean. Uh, they had a tremendous story, lots of debt and everything back in 1987. And John took a course called Crown um, and mm-hmm. taught him about faith and, and everything, um, his money. Um, and that was a Protestant ministry. Um, he took the first Crown course offered at a Catholic parish, but they took a lot of that same stuff and applied it to our Catholic faith. Um, all of our information and our studies and has an imprimatur and everything's informed by the magisterium and the catechism and the 2,500 verses that have to do with managing money and possessions and working with them and volunteering with the organization. Eventually, um, as of last year, I'm now executive director. Um, we are doing some really cool things. We have an amazing volunteer base. Uh, we are international as a ministry. Um, we are in South America. Uh, we are in Canada. We are in Malaysia because this message being Catholic is universal. It's not tied to a dollar. It's not tied to a currency. It is a universal message and it really works no matter the denomination of the currency. Absolutely. I love that. And um, just to kind of I, I, I sympathize um, with the your you know your founders um, just in how they and I, I'm thankful that they were able to recognize, you know, they worked through this crown course, but that there was so much richness left that wasn't covered you know, in the Catholic worldview. Um, and that's something that I feel like so many just haven't had the blessing of digging into and finding out, um, you know, taking those scripture verses, but also com- comparing them in the context of the catechism and the magisterium and all the things that we know that our faith teaches us. It just makes it, you know, takes it from black and white and puts it in color. So I love that they've done that um, and that they recognize the need for that. Yes, yes. And once all it takes is one person, they always joke that they don't know how this ministry fell in their lap. Um, <laughs> what is it? The phrase that God ordains the called. He doesn't call the ordained. What's what's that phrase? Am I messing? That is up? it God? He equips the called or something like that? Yes. yes. That of all people that they were the ones he that call the equipped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm totally botching it right now. But <laughs> joke that, you know, how did they end up and they really have taken it and made it something beautiful. Um, and that's, I mean, that's really why God works the way he does because there needs to be people who learn the message firsthand to be able to have mm-hmm. be empathetic and communicate it in such a way. Um, right. But I had said at that point, um, I did not have a debt story. The beautiful thing about um, learning about this message is my husband and I had a rental property we couldn't get rid of um, from the great recession and mm. we had to take these principles and apply them once our property value dropped by half because it was in Arizona, mm. right? So had yeah. we not known these principles um, and understanding that we are just called to be stewards, I mean, I don't know what kind of stress we would have experienced. And it was such a blessing. Sure. And I, I run into a lot of people oftentimes where, it, you know, they think that life after debt is kind of the end, the end goal. Just paying off debt is the end line. And now I'm good. But it's so, there's more steps after you get out of debt than there are even to just get there. And when we're actually living stewardship, one, it's our whole life. So there's not just like at age 30, I graduated into stewardship and now I'm good. (laughs) And it's a lifelong 
process. Um, and there's so many, there are so many more layers to uncover as the journey goes on. And that leads me to, you know, a topic that you often talk about and a phrase that you use around Compass Catholic and I, that I love is this notion of financial discipleship. Um, so could you define what that means? Yes. So financial discipleship, we define it as obedience to God's word every time life intersects with money, which is Mm. all the time, right? Every decision is a financial decision in some way. Um, And so what we do is we take what we are taught as Catholics as to our role as stewards, our role as caretakers of, of all of our resources. And really make them tactical and practical so people can enact those. And like you were saying, um, often the goal is just financial freedom for people, right? Like that's where they want to get. And they feel like once they get there, I'll be good. And you're right. Mm -hmm. It's not a finish line to be crossed. It's a lifestyle to be lived. So we take um, all those teachings from the church. And like I said, the saints, the magisterium, and we show people how to live the lifestyle of financial discipleship which is really what we're called to do. We all know that moment in mass when we're reading the parable of talents and you're kind of going so far and, you know, it's, it's a good story and you're enjoying listening to the gospel. And then it finishes with the line of um, gnashing of teeth. And then we all kind of recoil <laughs> into the pew, you know, and we kind of shrink a few inches because we're like, oh, which one am I, you know? Mm. So that's what we want to teach people. And also the whole financial freedom notion is beautiful it is a very American concept. And I've learned that Mm. through all of our work with our international folks. We have a lot of people taking our study in Venezuela. Well, financial freedom is not something that really resonates there, right? Versus in the US or um, in other countries. So we want to make sure when we're teaching people financial discipleship, it's not tied to an earthly goal, but a heavenly way of being. Um, And that's Mm. where we live as a ministry. Ooh, I love that. I love that, that it isn't tied to just some financial goal. And what you're, I mean, what you're saying there is so true. I feel like in America, it's, you know, X, Y, and Z equals you're good to go now. Um, but really, in the Catholic world, we have so many different vocations and people that are all over. I mean, we have people that are literally taking vows to poverty, you know, in their vocation, priests and nuns and, and you know, religious uh brothers and sisters. So not all priests take a vow to poverty. Some do, uh, just to clarify for anybody listening. Um, how does that even make sense? And it doesn't make sense if financial freedom is dis- is determined by American metrics. <laughs> but if you look at it from this lens of eternity, it could look a whole number of ways. And really, I think it, what you're talking about is that it applies to, you know, where does God have you and where are you living your vocation and handling money in light of that? Um, How do you, could you just kind of walk through um, this concept of financial discipleship and kind of how it could look, put some flesh on it for people that might be listening, you know, how could this look if they were earlier on in their financial journey to maybe if they were farther down the path? Yeah. So I think it starts with a unique perspective and that is understanding who we are. We often focus on what we're supposed to be doing. And we think that when it comes to being financially well, it's something we just don't know that someone else knows and we're not doing what they're doing. And so we get stuck on the what. Mm. Really, we need to focus on who are we? 
I would argue you are financially free the moment you turn it all over to God and you realize your role as a steward because we are here for a speck on the timeline of this earth, right? So why do we think we own our house, our car, you know, everything else when really everything is God's more just caretaker. So I think we need to reframe um, our perception of ownership in terms of stewardship and that of being a caretaker. In doing that, you instantly become more financially free, right? So I think we need to start with that first. Um, now, when it comes to what we should be doing, um, really, I mean, it's not that hard. We just Google it. You really should be avoiding debt, sticking to a spending plan, you know, um, making sure that you're planning for your expenses, sinking funds, all those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are good. You'll stick to them if they're tied to your identity of being a steward and mm-hmm. called that role because we are through our baptism as Catholics. Um, I think also financial disciples have to give thought to their environment, setting themselves up for success. We often think that when it comes to financial wellness, um, I'm just not good at it because I don't have enough discipline. Really, people who are good at this or are living a really rich lifestyle as financial disciples, they reduce their need for discipline by setting up their environment, right? Mm. So, sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when we're thinking about this, um, that means that you automate your savings and you make sure you create a generosity plan that reflects your values um, and that we do things to reduce the need to make financial decisions because self-control and discipline, that's a finite resource. You only have so much in the day. You start out with a lot. By the end of the day, you're eating ice cream and you're shopping on Amazon, right? <laughs> so reduce the need for that by setting up your environment. That way, not every decision is a financial decision. And you're mm-hmm. not always in the in your bank account with your mind. Like you're focusing on what's important, being what you're called to care for in terms of your family, your um, faith community and everything else, um, you know, performing well at our, our place of employment, our vocation. And your mind can focus there because everything else is pretty well automated. And that automation decision-making has been one that has reflected your values because you made those decisions when you were in a state of making those decisions aligned with your values. So I Mm -hmm. think those are two key things that people do is they need to focus, or good financial disciples do. They focus on who am I? Who am I called to be? And then they focus on their environment. Mm. I love that. I love um, just the idea of focusing on your identity. Um, and I mean, so much of our of our walk as disciples, whether it's money or it's our marriage or it, literally everything, if we focus on who we are and understand our identity in Christ, all the things we thought were problems fall away and become easy and sort themselves out, um, and we receive the graces that we need. So I love that. Um, and then also just that idea of automating you know, and you set up the systems and the systems really do start to work for you. I remember we used to, we had a mentor back in the day who used to talk about the wisdom of religious life. Um, and the phrase was essentially, you know, build the life and the life builds you. Um, I love that. So that, you know, you don't have to every day reinvent the wheel. You're too tired to do that and you'll never be a saint <laughs> if you do that. But if you set in the systems you know, whether it's for your prayer time or your finances, and then you just operate 
within those, it makes it a whole lot easier and you don't burn the brain calories, if you will. Right. Yes. So I love that. So let's say somebody has, you know, they're, they're, they've got some of the systems in place and they're kind of looking for that next level of how could I live and continue this journey of financial discipleship as maybe my, my net worth begins to grow and, um, you know, more decisions are before me. Oh, I love that question because, I mean, you're right. We, we think of it again through this American lens of retirement and, you know, what's next? You know, what, what do I do now that I am, you know, financially free or um, I have these systems in place and that they are working for me and I can focus on something else? I would argue that is the point when your vocation should really kick off, right? You know, mm. that's when you are able to say yes to God's call, no matter what it is, whether that be adoption or going on a mission or supporting, um, you know, someone who needs to go on a focus mission or, you know, whatever it is, you are able to say yes at that point because the finances are in place. And I think that's when really life gets exciting. We think of retirement as like the end point. It's not the end point. That's when Work is, um, we're no longer tied to employment or tied to whatever ties us down financially. That's when things get exciting and that's when you can say yes. Mm. I love that. Um, it, it kind of, it makes me think of, um, I've been reading a lot about St. Louis and Zelly Martin. Mm. Um, just, you know, I feel like I've been relating with Zelly more than ever lately with, you know, all girls and running a business and husband running a business and some very stubborn melancholic girls. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I, I, what I've been fascinated with though is after Zelly's death, um, you know, Louis basically took, he was a full-time father of five girls. He sold their business um, and then never worked again. But he didn't buy into this American notion of just like, well, I guess I'm going to go tee up on the green and just put my life away. It was, you know, the money is going to support me literally raising saints, check, uh, answering his vocation. And then um, in one of the, I think it was his daughter, Celine, wrote a book about him. And in it, she talks about how he made sure now that even though he didn't need to work for money anymore, the money was taken care of, but he lived generously going around town looking for needs, places he could fill in. He never lived an idle life and he was always fruitful. And I think that that um, kind of what you're speaking to here is once you set up the money and the money is not screaming no in God's face anymore, it's a whole lot easier just to say, Lord, where do you want me to be fruitful today? And you get to um, when the money is no longer holding you back. For sure. I, I was listening to something Simon Sinek did recently. And um, I love his little nuggets that he he has. And he was talking about, we need to reframe our perception of money. Um, we, we think we need to think of our purpose in life as the car, right? Money is only the fuel. You don't mm. live to put fuel in your car, <laughs> right? So money is only as good as your vehicle gets you from point A to point B. So we need to just put money back in its place. You know, it really is just the fuel for our purpose. And that's all it really is. If we think about the fuel, I mean, who thinks about fuel all the time? We don't. It's just not the way it works. <laughs> but we think about money all the time. And I think that's why people are stressed. And that's why people feel a little bit um, 
a little disjointed about their finances because it just needs to be put in its place, but it can only be put in its place if you are living with it as a steward. And I think that's that's really our biggest argument here is understanding that we are just here for a short period of time. And yeah, I love that. That that story is beautiful. You tied yeah. that in so well. Five girls, can you imagine? Oh my goodness. I had two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. Oh um I love that of just um, you know, it's the means and it's not the end. And I think that it can be so easy, especially in the American culture. It's it's kind of viewed as the end, the end goal. Mm-hmm. Uh too often. And it's hard as Catholics to almost peel that identity off and reject that, that, that temptation that our, our net worth or how we're doing with our money is a reflection of our inherent dignity and value and our smartness um, when it truly doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, how would you, how would you, could you speak to a little bit of this, this idea of the, the stewardship and the, I love the parable of the talents um, how as Catholics can we reconcile, you know, somebody got one, somebody got two, somebody got five. Um, we often will get asked, like, how do you, if you're the person who got one, how are you not upset that you weren't the one who got five? Um, so how would a financial disciple respond in that circumstance? Mm, that's a good question. I feel like that's a little bit above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a philosophical one. Right, it is. I mean, we're going into some social justice stuff here. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, that is the way it works in the world. Some children are born into households of tremendous means. Some children are born into households of, you know, negative net worth. And the principles of stewardship apply no matter the resources. Um, we are not all called to steward the same amount. And I think the whole pres- um, the whole idea of this net worth does not define my self-worth is one that we really need to be one or one that we need to welcome and pray over because you're right. I mean, there's going to be people of tremendous means and people of meager means. There's going to be everything in between. But in the end, what does it matter if you didn't steward well what you were given? Right. And I think that really is the true message of the parable of the talents um, is that you want to hear, you know, good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear. And it's not whether you had one or you had, you know, five or 10 or a million. It doesn't matter. It's what you do with what you are given. There's I mean, money is, is one thing that we can measure in terms of what people are given. Um, you know, like you were saying, we, we often confuse money with like intelligence. We're all given different gifts right? We're all given different gifts, whether it be intelligence, whether it be a gift of speaking, whether it be a gift for um, athletics, like whatever it is, what do we do with those gifts? And I think we get fixated on money because it's something we can measure. And our gifts are our gifts, our talents are our talents, and they all come from the same God. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I think, you know, as Catholics, we have to... um to really live that financial discipleship, that identity of who we are is kind of rejecting some of these temptations that, you know, the political wars will try to suck us into that the rich are greedy and envious and terrible <laughs> and they're corrupting our world or um, just that, you know, being poor is always better and and holier. These are false notions that sometimes have 
our politicians like to strong arm others into believing, but that when we understand financial discipleship, it completely changes everything. We were having a conversation, my husband and I were, um, this weekend about um, Joseph Amarithia. And had he not had Mm. money, he could not have purchased the grave for Jesus, right? And I mean, the whole Easter story would have been changed. He was able to do so because he had means. But then we also hear about the, the rich young man who walked away sad, right? So I think that's also, I mean, we politicians do it as well, for sure. But I think we do it, right? Like we pick and choose what we're going to listen to in, gar- in regards to our faith or the Bible and the stories um, and kind of help ourselves feel good about our situation. But I think we need to look at the whole picture because, you know, rich people do some phenomenal things in this world. And there's also some rich people that aren't <laughs> doing wonderful things, but there's, you know, yeah. we can say that among all um, socioeconomic levels. And I, we just, yeah, that was an interesting conversation we had is had he not had means, the Easter story would look very different. And mm. uh, I just thought that was a fascinating thought. Ooh, I love that. Um, yeah, I was doing, um, last year about this time I went on silent retreat and there was an outdoor stations and they had sculptures and, um, at the tomb sculpture, there was a Joseph of Arimathea sculpted into the rock. And oftentimes you forget that he was involved or even there. And I thought, oh, this is such a beautiful reflection to bring this in that he could kind of immediately give a gift of that magnitude and that he was called to it and responded, yes, how beautiful that is. And, you know, sometimes even the temptation can be like you see the lives of the saints or, you know, you hear about the Drexels um, Mm -hmm. and then what St. Catherine Drexel was able to do. And sometimes the temptation, I'll, I'll admit it myself, is like, Lord, call me to be a financial disciple there but then to totally want to blow off maybe the financial struggle I'm currently in or for God to have a different plan for me. So often it's just discipleship in general, but it definitely, I think, applies to our finances is, you know, divine providence might allow things that we don't want ourselves to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and embracing that and really whatever God wants and what he's asking, what he's giving in this moment is what we're called to. Even if we might desire or hope or there might be seeds to, you know, be more generous and to to grow your to grow your wealth further so you can be more heroically generous as long as it's in alignment with what he wants, but sometimes that that there can be a rub there. If it's not my present reality. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's another reason why, you know, we kind of focus on, like I was saying, someone else knows something I don't, or there's a process I'm not doing, but sometimes God doesn't work within that process. Sometimes we're called to be generous. Maybe if we don't think we can afford it at that moment. So I think that's why we need to focus on our Catholic values and understand those truly and deeply and intrinsically and everything. So we can be okay with God's will when it's not in alignment with the process we thought we were going to follow financially. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking here um, in the Valley, we we have uh, lots of different multifamily homes that are popping up because people are taking in their in-laws and their mothers and, you know, caring mm-hmm. for them. And that might not be aligned with what 
a financial expert would say is the best thing to do. Mm. What do you do? You know, you are living your Catholic values by honoring your your mother and father and taking them in. So I think we need to be flexible with the process, but be steadfast with our values. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And thank you for diving into this conversation about financial discipleship. I think um, it's just, it's been a rich conversation and I I hope people have enjoyed it and maybe felt uh, poked a little bit by the Holy Spirit to, you know, bring Jesus deeper into this area of their life. I don't think that that's um, something that gets taught all the time. You know, I'm sure you see it in your work. We see it in ours, certainly, of just people have brought the Lord into their um, their faith life and they go to mass. They've brought him into their families and their fertility. They've brought him into their marriage, uh, basically every area, but they haven't gotten to bring him into their money. There's a great story that John, our founder, always tells about. During the Crusades, the soldiers would go and get baptized before fighting. And they would pull their swords out of the water, right? And it was symbolic of like, God, you can have my body with this sword. I'm going to do what I want with it, right? (laughs) Same thing with our wallets. We're holding our wallets out of the water. And we're feeling disjointed and we wonder why. Mm. Bring your wallet into the water. It's part of you. It's part of our story. It's part of our journey here on this earth. And if your way isn't working, Try this way. Let's see if it works. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's, you know, money uh, can feel so worldly and practical, but, you know, you had said that it's it's just our, our values reflected. That's it. And so you have to bring them together. Otherwise, you live that disjointed life. Um, and it can be so frustrating. So if people want to follow up with you, Caitlin, and your ministry, uh, how can they do so? Yes. Yeah, so you can go to compasscatholic.org. Um, our new website launches in a couple of weeks. So um, we're really excited about that. Um, we also are available on uh, Facebook, Compass Catholic, Instagram, Compass Catholic One. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just excited to be stewards of this ministry and help people any way we can. Um, we are just just thrilled that there's other people in this world that we can talk to and and have a conversation about this because it is something it is needed um, for all Catholics. It's not whether you're in debt or you are dealing with millions of dollars, right? It's every single one of us. Um, Mm -hmm. So you guys are doing great work. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. This has been great. Ditto. Can't wait to find more ways to partner and bring this message to the church at large. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you guys for listening in on this episode. Uh, go ahead and follow up with Caitlin uh, in on social media and on their website. That's exciting that they've got a new website coming in a few weeks. And until next time, bye for now. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Walletwin program at walletwin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.